you'll start to date people who are healthy and stay with it because it may not feel normal at first. You may think, well, this person isn't sexy or they're not exciting or they don't float my boat. But really, then I say, but are they healthy? Stay with it until healthy floats your boat. Welcome to Insert Human. This is a show that is not for everyone. It's for seekers, people like you, hopefully, who are searching for solutions to your problems, the world's problems, and everything in between. The conversations to come are going to show you how finding the truth of our humanity is the magic key to solving pretty much anything. Between my monologues, my dialogues with brilliant guests, and your good questions, you're going to learn how to insert human into everything, and in doing so, realize a better life and one day a better world. So Julie, thank you for doing this. To the audience, Julie Matheson. I've actually seen that you've described yourself multiple ways. And, and I think on one, one site or one place, it's holistic counselor and, and author. And there are a couple others. There's something else you've just used before, do you remember? Yeah, I use healing arts practitioner. Healing arts practitioner. Yeah, a pattern clearer. Nobody knows what that means. Problem solver. And she's, she's the author of a new book, and I love the title, so I'm going to read it because it's a long title, Lotus Flower Living, a journaling practice for deep discovery and lasting peace. Untangle your mind and heart once and for all. Damn, that's good. Thank you. I had to fight for that title. Oh, I'm sure they were like, make it three words, make it yeah. three words. So um, again, thank you for being on the show. I'm thrilled to both connect with you directly and also have you share all that you have come to learn about the journey of life with all the people that listen to Insert Human. And I'd love to just start with your your story, like how it all came about when you started sort of scratching your head about what this life means and how to get more out of it or how to find happiness or you know all of the above. Well, thanks for having me on your show. I'm really glad to be here. I Thanks for the work you're doing in the world. I think that your story and how you started doing this podcast is really cool. It happens that way, right? It happens like that. And it happened that way for me too. I was sitting at my desk, sipping a cup of tea when I was 20. And I was, I'd done two years of college and I was sitting there and I was in, starting to individuate from my family and realizing I had my own identity outside of them. And I was in a codependency program at the time because I just got out of a relationship that was a roller coaster ride. And I was sitting there saying, I was looking at all my patterns. I was starting to understand that I was going to repeat every pattern from my childhood if I didn't change it. I was understanding that I would marry my parents if I saw people just like them or the patterns that they had if I didn't change them. Like I was really getting that. And I was 20. And Louise Hay had come out with her book, You Can Heal Your Life. And I was absorbing that and I was absorbing all these codependency things. Like I was doing an intensive training on it. Like I'm like, I'm going to go after this. I was going to Al-Anon meetings and I'm sitting there saying, if all I ever did with my life was heal my own patterns, that would be something. You know, that would really be something. Everybody I come into contact with is going to experience my patterns. Like they're going to see it. They're going to see me. And, and that was at 20? You were 20 when you had that? I was 20. Yeah. And I did go back and finish school and I got really interested in psychology and I was on my way that there was a, there was a defining moment that day. Like I was on my way. And then that decision, like that was a real decision that I made, had this, 
I don't know. And I couldn't have told you then that that, that had started some trajectory, but it right. did. But it did. A, a quick question there, it was sort of related to what we were talking about before we began. Were you in pain at the time? Like, you know, were you were you suffering? Like, I, you know, my theory about you, you got to hit sort of an acceptable rock bottom place. You've got to get to a place of like, I can't do this anymore. Was, was that how it was? Or was it actually not that? I was in, yes, no, I was in horrific, horrific emotional pain and just really showing up to it. Like just deciding to face it and barrel through it. And that was all the slogans I was hearing, you know, just go through it, just face it. And I could tell not everybody in the room was getting the whole spiel about patterns repeating. Like I could tell, like, I'm like, am I the only one getting this? Like, this is really huge. It's like, this is profound to me that I'm just going to repeat my patterns unless I change them. And I didn't set out to be whatever, you know, we want to call me a healing arts practitioner or I mean, be in the, this world. I just wanted to heal my own life. Right. And it got to the point where, this was so what I loved doing. I loved having these real conversations. I loved talking about real life. I loved, I found a way to change a pattern in one sitting. You know, that's my thing now, but it didn't start out like that. That came about because I got tired of being told you're stuck with this for the rest of your life. You're just going to have to always deal with this. You're just stuck with you. And yeah, of course I'm stuck with me, but you really can change patterns. Like you really, oh, yeah. I wanted to believe oh, that yeah. I could change it permanently and, and be different and not have to think about it, like really change it at root cause. I wanted to believe that. And I, I really do believe that you can. I, it's not easy. Well, you're walking evidence, right? I mean, you're walking, living, breathing evidence that you can, right? Yeah, not that I, not that you're ever done, but no, I think no, no, you no, no, reach no, no. plateaus. Yeah, I think you reach some plateaus where so there's a gracing that happens like, wow, like I really do feel different. Yeah. I had a moment yesterday where I had a call with my siblings and they, they, they are the, the manifestation of my family's patterns. They are the archetypes. And I, I got off the phone and I said to my wife, Kate, I'm so proud that I broke, I didn't say pattern, but effectively I broke the pattern because they're really not comfortable with intimacy of any kind, human intimacy. And I'm, I'm all about it, you know, and it took a lot of work to get there, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, so, so, so what did you, so tell me more, like, what did you, what did you do from that, that realization point or that commitment point? I kept reading over and over Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life. Like that was what, that was one of my tools that I had at the time. And I kept going to Al-Anon meetings and where they said, keep the focus on you, keep the focus on you, keep the focus on what you can change. Don't focus on the other person because I was learning about codependency and my mind was on the other person. And that, that was, I think codependency is, I think of an addiction. I think we get addicted to people. We get addicted to behaving with them in a certain way. And we have these unspoken rules that we start to follow and all it takes is a little bit of awareness. But what am I doing? And do I want to do this anymore? No, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to have these patterns. Is codependency, it's a term I, I hear a lot. My wife, Kate, uh, would say that she grew up in a codependent household. Is it, uh, well, A, I'd love just your explanation or definition of it. And then B, is it, is it necessarily two-way? 
like both parties are codependent or can it, can one be codependent on another and the, like how does it work it can be every possible way like you can have someone else take a drug addiction like somebody's addicted to something and then you'll have a codependent that's addicted to them so that codependent person actually isn't getting any attention from the drug addicted person they're not getting any of their sometimes somebody will come in I'm, i just draw a line down the middle of the page because in my work we write and i draw and i'm like look what is your pattern telling you're getting out of this situation but what are you actually getting can we just separate hmm. fantasy from reality like that's a very s- simple but hard mm-hmm. you know, exercise to have someone do it's a simple concept but you can see light bulbs going off when you do something like that this is what i think i'm getting this is what my pattern tells me maybe it happened the first 5 minutes in the relationship yeah, there was something really exciting but really it was just somebody else's Yeah. patterns that were being worked out meeting somebody else's patterns that were being worked out and they came together and there was this match up but that doesn't mean it was functional right and is you know but i knew that if i changed my pattern my puzzle piece it would change who i match up with i tell people coming in i say you know you'll start to date people who are healthy and stay with it because it may not feel normal at first You may think well oh, this person isn't sexy or they're not exciting or they don't float my boat but really then I say but are they healthy stay with it until healthy floats your boat because yeah I don't trust your pattern right now it reminds me of years ago being in a relationship and I have a, a woman in my life who's uh, she's 96 her name's Billy and she's the wisest woman I've I've certainly ever or person I've ever I've ever met She said to me while I was talking to her about the state of this relationship. She said, "You know, Chris, two broken halves don't make a whole." <laughs> and I'm like, "Uh-oh." <laughs> you know, and I think that's part of this, right? Which is in our in our slightly broken state, we seek maybe slightly broken people, I don't know, to mirror us to I don't know. I don't know why, yeah. but we we do, you know. And a healthy person. Right. Yeah, don't challenge my low self-esteem. Right. You know? Yeah, no. My husband and I used to say that all the time when we were just starting to date. We we both had the that very language. We said, "Look, I don't think two halves make a whole. I think two wholes make a functional relationship." Right. Yeah. Period. Period. Yeah. <laughs> Not really negotiable here, people. No, really it isn't. And the other thing I said to him early on is I said, "Look, My life is about we were we met when we were 19 but we didn't date and then we were 29 when we got married. I said, look, my life is about growth. It just is. Like I I do know that about myself. And I'd had a boyfriend years ago say to me, I said to him, I want to always be taking classes. Like I said, I always want to be in school. Like I love learning and he's like, why would you want to do that? And I'm like, oh, that's not the right kind of guy for me. No. I need somebody who really understands that that's what my life is about. and you do have to keep up with each other you have to keep up with each other you have to keep up with each other yes it's so you uh, don't outgrow each other yes no i did a i did a show the other day a solo talk and i guess i don't even recall talking about it but i guess i brought up this whole idea of the two kinds of marriages that work are the ones where both people are seekers they're they're doing exactly what you just they're on a on a growth path they're not necessarily perfectly in the same place but there's they're moving at maybe the same pace And then the other kind that work are the ones where neither <laughs> is on a path. I mean, work use that term loosely. The ones that break overtly are the ones 
where one is and one isn't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the thing, the other thing I say, which I'm sure you subscribe to is just because you are not, does not make you less than it's a choice, right? Like you choose to grow. You, you chose at the age of 20 to, I want to make growth. My, my life journey is about growth. And there are people who, who choose not to, again, that doesn't make them less, less, less human. It's just a choice, right? It's totally fine. I think they're still going to get something out of this life that is special and what is right for them. And I totally honor that, but I have to size people up when they come in to work. I don't like to say it that way, but I need to assess where is somebody and I'll, I'll ask, I won't always ask it in the very first session because it can be too startling, but something along the lines of, you know, do you know that you are creating your reality? Like, like, and how responsible for your life are you willing to be? Like I need to know, like how, I really want to work with people who want to go for it. I enjoy that work. It's super fun. It's super real. And that's what I'm looking for in a client is somebody who really wants to go for it because I have a process that I think is so versatile for any pattern, really. Can you talk a little bit about that in terms of the, 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 the sort of framework or how you, how you do what you do? And, you know, just quickly, the, as I said about my own family, the patterns are profound. Like, and by the way, I have three kids. Well, you know, I have, well, you know, I have at least one. I have two others. It's remarkable to be in the middle and see the patterns from my, my birth family and that they're perpetuated to this day. And then through me, some of them have seeped through to my children. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm, you know, I'm guilty as, as the, as the carrier, I'm sure both genetically and whatever, osmotically, but it's wild. You're like, Oh, wow. We're perpetuating, call it the madness. <laughs> it may be a new concept for people to hear that I actually go after patterns looking for them because I figure they're going to show themselves in strike anyway. And I'd rather do it on my own time with a candle and a pad of paper and, you know, in a safe space where I'm looking at it because it's going to come up. Even the people who are the people that you say are together, who are not growth oriented, they're still here growing. They're just not doing it as consciously as maybe they could, or they don't want to do it that way. And that's okay. But I really want to go after things consciously. And that's my whole thing. It's like, okay, let's make it conscious. Let's find all the ways that we can make this conscious, that we can look at this from every angle. Because my whole shtick is, if you can figure out the way a pattern, what it's rooted in, how it operates, how it deceives you, how it tricks you, how it gets you to do or say the same thing you don't want to do or say, mm-hmm. how to really understand it in a way that honors it, really, is we're mm-hmm. just honoring, mm-hmm. we're honoring it. And I think that you've said a really good thing. It's like, well, what we were saying earlier, like not judging it, And keeping it super safe is my, is the first thing, whether it's with a client or in my marriage, like how can I keep this safer? How can I get this safer so we can be as honest as we can be so we can see what we're dealing with so that we can deal with it. Yeah. And I use pad and paper and pen. Like I just, let's get it out of that cycle. Let's get it onto something concrete where we can look at it and evaluate it. Yeah. And I call my work journaling, but it's not really journaling. I had to call it something. Right. I had to right. call it something. I didn't want to call it just a writing process. But, you know, we're, 
we're throwing a goal on the page and we're recognizing that there's a system of energy going on with this pattern that we're looking at and I'm going to go after it in a way that clears that energy but in a way that where you're really understanding in a way that you never had exactly how it was working in your life and when you see all the things all the components of it and all most patterns have the same similarities in how they're structured and it's just a matter of getting past some blind spots so I've learned what tricky questions to ask to make it conscious. And once a person generally, if a person can see the whole thing in the way it's working, they pop out of it. Like they pop out of the illusion of it. And that's why the work can be so fast because they're saying, okay, it was rooted in this. That belief got established here. That belief got reinforced here. Oh, that belief got reinforced again here. Oh, that's when I really started believing that was the truth about me. And now it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. Put a hundred different beliefs in one pattern. And that's what we call stuck. Right, right. So we're just getting it all on paper so we can see it. And then we're literally doing something to move that energy out at the end. I, had, I just recently found out one of my favorite readers who's been doing my process in my book, she, she said, you know, I need some help really, I don't know if I'm clearing a pattern. I want to experience this rush you tell me I'm supposed to experience at the end. And I said, are you doing all 16 steps? She says, no, I'm, no, I'm not doing the last three usually. I'm like, you're not doing the last three steps? I'm like, that's like your payoff for all that hard work. I'm like, do the last three steps? And so she started doing the last three steps. And I explained, look, you're looking for an energy here that you can kind of get your arms around it. Like you're looking for what does it feel like? What's happening in the room? What's being triggered? What are they saying? And then what am I doing? You're looking for this tangled up. You can feel it and you're going to, we're going to detangle it and then do the last three steps and move it out. And then I've added a spiritual practice, but I had some people say, well, you really need to add spiritual practice at the end. I'm like, okay, we'll do a 21 day spiritual practice. But really I truly believe when I've cleared a pattern, it's cleared. Right. And I know I can tell because I'll be out the next day. And this very, this same person, this reader, she had this experience. She said, after I started doing it that way, I knew right away it was gone. Like I'd have an experience happen. Usually what will happen is you'll run into somebody who normally would trigger you and you'll notice that you weren't triggered. Right. Or something like that. It's like life will send you a little, a little sign to let you know you got it. That's what I noticed. Again, one of the, one of the shows I did recently uh, with a guy named Tom Ferber, who's a long friend of mine. Melissa knows him well. Melissa Yahai, who was also on the show. But we got into a whole conversation about taking the bait. You know when you take the bait? Uh, you probably don't take the bait anymore, but I'm still <laughs> vulnerable to taking the bait. And, and it's a pattern. And it's triggered by old patterns, you know, and it's like, I'm so conscious of it. And yet it's so profoundly hard to not take the bait. And I guess my question in your work with people on de-patterning, not that that's a word, but what's the hardest part? Is it, is it getting them to open, open the door or look in the mirror? Is it getting them to accept what they see? Is it getting them to not have judgment for what they see? Is it getting them to, or is it all, you know, like, is it all like one big thing? Like how, how does it sort of, how do most people deal with it, I guess? No, I love the question. The hardest part is I have no, I say it all the time. I have no control over how honest someone 
is in a session. Right. But I do have control over how safe I can make it and how well I can describe the work. And I can say, look, I here's and this is what I do. I say, look, I need you to know a couple of things. You are not your patterns. A lot of them are universal. A lot of them live live in the greater collective pain energy, pain body. And, you know, then there's just all the rules that we're assigned if you're a woman or all the rules you're assigned if you're a man and how you behave and what you're allowed to say and do and are you allowed to cry and what are you allowed to feel and how are you allowed to talk and all these things. And there are a lot of rules. There are a lot of unwritten rules. And I say, first of all, you're none of that. None of it. Are you responsible for everything that you say and do and every reaction? Yes, of course. I am responsible for everything I say and do. And if something triggers me, I'm responsible for that. But the way I use it is no judgment. Like it's just information that we can use to clear a pattern. Like I'll literally put myself, I would go home at the holidays just to get triggered, just to see, okay, did I get that one yet? It's kind of a science. Yeah. Cause like, okay. Yeah. I'd be like, oh man, they got me on that. They got me again. <laughs> Took the bait, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Back to the workshop. Okay, what happened? And then I'm just sit down. I'm really honest with myself. Well, I was, I was. This is how I was feeling. And I have a process in my book that just says, look, if you don't know what you believe, because it really comes down to what, what do you believe? Where did that belief get instilled? Right. You know, usually there's some kind of. Really, I call myself more than anything a trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Because the way trauma, a trauma can be anything. It could be. Oh yeah. Lack of, lack of unconditional love is traumatic. Yeah. Yes. It's not a trauma in the classic sense of the word, but it's traumatic. It is. Yeah. It's, yes. Anything that is, anything that was too harsh for your gentle child system or took you by surprise. I mean, it could be a teacher yelled at you in kindergarten. Yeah. 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 You know, and it got locked in. And, you know, as a kid, we can't make sense of something. So what this, you know, I think we all, you know, I want to like give people permission to go back and reevaluate those moments that things happened. And then I create a space where we can do that. But the number one thing is you're not your patterns. And they'll, I have people say to me, I don't want to tell you what my pattern says. It's so disgraceful or it's so embarrassing and it's so silly. And I say, do you want me to show you some of my patterns? I mean, that's so normal. It's so normal. If I give you mine, which is just, it's been brutal to get on the other side of is, I mean, I have many, but one of them is my dad died when I was 14. And then my brother died four years later in a car accident. And I have a, I have this, like, if you and I are supposed to get together for, when you get back to Boston, we're going to have tea, right? <laughs> and and we're, you're supposed to meet me at 5 PM and it's 520. I will assume you've been killed. I'm not kidding. Oh, oh because of the trauma. Like I, I'm like stuck in this hell of somebody I care about is, is if they're late, they're not coming back. It's a pattern. It's a bad pattern. Another question uh, around patterns. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. Oh, it's a pattern. Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that. I imagine you do. I do subscribe to this idea of DNA level transfer of patterns of trauma. This multi-generational thing that it's not just your life. It's not, wasn't, your patterns were established within your life and before your life. Is that, you, is that? So yeah, we, we're clearing, we're clearing ancestral lines through the DNA when we do this. I don't like, I don't usually talk in that technical 
stuff and I don't right. compare myself with it, but yeah, it's, you're definitely changing things very, very deeply for the serious person who's, who's going after it, who gets, who understands what we're doing. Yeah. You're what I wanted to say to your story, which I thought was understandable and heart opening to hear you talk about it is that that's completely healable. And what's so great about it is it's measurable. Right. Like we will, people are going to be late. Yeah, you're, you're just going to be late by design to see if I struggle. <laughs> not before we work, I'm not going to be. <laughs> and then not return my calls. <laughs> I know what you're going to do. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. The other thing that you touched on was this idea of collective patterns. So I think it's fair to say that we, we all live in a time of, 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 of a lot of struggle and a lot of questioning and a lot of... I think worry and, you know, is this a function of, of our prior patterns and or are we creating unhealthy new patterns? Like, and can, you know, how can, and this is probably an unanswerable question, but how can society that is, call it suffering for its patterns, find its way out of those dark woods? You know, I don't know. There's no, you can't answer that question. Nobody can answer no. that question. Can I try? Sure. Just for fun? Hit it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> what have I got to lose? Exactly. I just want to say, I think what's interesting about this time and what I notice is things are being destroyed right now. Like we have a destroyer in, in office who's a great destroyer of structures and things. Amazing. Amazing destroyer. Like if you're going to look at it from a spiritual perspective, which I think I think is a good idea, is, you know, we have a great destroyer. And what I've noticed, and so set that, I just want to say that, set that aside. And then what I'm noticing, people who had peace or balance in their lives before COVID are having more balance and peace. Right. Life is slowing down more. They're getting more organized. Maybe they're organized before. They're getting more organized because they have the time and space to do it. People who had chaos or patterns that needed worked on are getting exemplified. They're getting louder. They're getting exemplified. They, they're, they're having, but they're going to get peace because now I always say, well, I always want to work in the loudest pattern first. Why? Because it's loud. Like they're now seeing their patterns coming up and they have, they're like facing them. And for a lot of people, they're having those moments that you speak about where they're hitting rock bottom or they're saying, I can't do this anymore. This isn't sustainable. Like even I can't deny this isn't sustainable. And back to what's, you know, the hardest part about this kind of work is just blind spots and self-honesty and, and I would say some skills. You know, I, I like to believe people really want to evolve and they want to be better and they want to find peace, but they don't know how or they don't even give themselves permission. Yeah. I remember one of the first patterns I ever cleared on myself was I, I grew up in Ohio where politeness is so important. Midwestern politeness and selflessness is really high on the list. And you're judged by how selfless and giving you are. And the first pattern I had to clear, I'm like, wow, if I'm going to go after self-growth and clear, deal with all these patterns, I'm going to have to focus on myself. And that sounds really selfish. Like I had to, that was first pattern before I even knew how to clear patterns. That was the first one I, I cleared. I did it the hard way before I had an easier way. But that was the first one was just giving myself permission. And I think I want to give people permission. Like 
you're worth it. You know, you're worth yeah. focusing on. Like part of working with someone like me is setting aside some time to go in where two people are focused just on you. You know, it's yeah. kind of meditation really. Like if for somebody who can't sit down and do a meditation, make an appointment with, you know, a practitioner of some sort. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's almost as if, and this is, I think maybe goes back to the codependency thing, that patterns are a form of addiction. That even though you might recognize a pattern as an unhealthy pattern, a, dis, a destroying pattern to use that verb, that there's a familiarity to it and an familiarity there's comfort, even though you know, logically, it is actually hurting you. I mean, is that... That's right. Is that part of this equation that... It absolutely is. Yeah, there's a... There's a technique in neuro-linguistic programming where uh, let's say somebody comes in and they say, you know, I have this fear, this irrational fear that I'm going to be attacked in the shower because I watched some scary movie when I was a kid and I can't get it out of my head. And then the practitioner will say, okay, get in touch with the part of you that wants it to happen. And because really, <laughs> because there, it's a message in there, right. right? And there's a message in there saying, yeah, no, this is like a normal fear or yeah, you should be afraid of this because it was something traumatic that that person had seen on television had gotten stuck. I would call that a trauma, shock, yeah. shock, maybe shock and trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're getting in touch with that part of you that, and, and I like to write about the pain body. I sent you a piece. I don't know if you had time to look at I it. Did. Yeah, yeah, no, I did. I actually, I read it. Yeah, yeah. I love to talk about the pain body. And Eckhart Tolle calls it the pain body, but the collective unconscious pain energy, you know, all this energy that has all throughout time, you know, there's been a, a, a memory and imprint left all human thought and all human pain. And in a moment of being triggered, that comes through. And that's why sometimes our patterns seem so much bigger sometimes than just us when it comes to the pain body it hurts to feel it feels good to hurt right like there might be like take an addiction for example like okay maybe somebody has an eating binge issue and they they might hear they might be semi-conscious about it or maybe be completely unconscious maybe they'll binge for three days and they'll wake up and get on the scales and be like oh my god i wasn't conscious about my food for three days mm -hmm. Or, or a spending binge, they'll come back. But in the moment that it's starting to happen, like what we're wanting for that person is for them to be super conscious about it, that it never takes them over. But in the moment that they're engaging in the activity, it actually feels good. It's painful for them. They don't want to be doing that. They know that it's gonna, there are going to be repercussions for what they're doing. If it's a drinking binge or whatever, or a shopping binge, they're going to have to pay off that credit card eventually. But in the moment, they can't stop but it actually feels good to be dysfunctional. Hmm. And that's that pain body, weird thing. And it's a lie. It's a lie. And, but you can pop a person out of that pattern by exposing the whole thing the way it works. And that's not necessarily a session. That's Yeah. It reminds me of a, when Melissa and I were doing work together years ago. She was really my sort of guiding angel when I first started working on me. She introduced the idea of, I think it was her term, or maybe she took it from somebody else, but it was the idea of a shadow child that within us, you know, there is a, a child and my mind happened to be, happens to be called Jared and he or she is the, is sort of the embodiment of ego and tends to be the vulnerable, fearful, needy, addictive, you know, that, and, and that, act, that construct actually helped me because then when 
those moments of, you know, wanting to eat a pint of ice cream straight or whatever, whatever occurred, I could have a conversation with myself, effectively Jared, and talk it through in terms of, you know, what's going on? Why is it going on without judgment? But just, is, you know, is that also, is, do you think of that, you use that construct too, or, or that's sort of a different kind of thing or? No, it's very similar. And like the inner child voice. Yeah. I right. saw an inner child therapist for years to start to get at, just have somebody listen and mirror back what was in my inner child's but our inner child is great. You know, it's where our right. creativity comes from. But it's also, yeah, we want to get in there and say, okay, what, dear one, what did you believe? Right? right? Like, I know, cause, because it's our sensitive inner child. It's like, what did you, what got in there that wasn't true? Like, let's, let's take us some time. We, we, okay, I couldn't process that when I was four. Right. I do remember it happening. And I remember that I decided, sometimes I'm clearing a pattern. I'll just guess. What did I, what did I maybe decide about myself? You know, the, the place I like to go is, and this is, somebody said to me, they said, oh, that's big of you to go there. I'm like, no, no, no. This is just what a person has to do. <laughs> this is, <laughs> we all have to do this. Um, <laughs> I said, you know, this is what was said to me. And this is what I believed about myself for many years. And then I went after that belief. And I went after the moment that I decided it was true. Because I didn't have to decide that was true because there is a point, you know, unless a, a kid is getting really shut down with excessive trauma and that does happen, as long as, you know, there is that point and we all know it, there's a part in, there's, a, there's this voice in there that is always connected to the greater whole. It always is. And it's, it's, and it's in there saying, don't, don't, bl- don't believe that. Don't believe that. Of course, if you hear it over and over and over, and in my case, the things that were said to me, I have believed them enough that it did affect me. It did affect behaviors I had at school. It affected me, but it created fears that I didn't need to ever have because I was told a lie about myself. Mm-hmm. And But I had to go, when I'm clearing a pattern, I'm going to the level of, okay, Julie, what did you believe? And, and if I don't know, when I really, I, I just say, okay, what do I think I might have? Cause here's what I'm seeing in my life. I just work backwards. It's like, okay, this is what I, this is what I'm experiencing. I'm afraid whenever this happens. Okay. So it's a, some kind of belief about fear. Okay. When do I remember feeling this way before? Okay. Age four, that thing happened. Yep. I remember that. Or third grade. Yep. I remember that. And I start, I want to get the string of where it was repeated. But what my point is, I'm going back to that moment that I decided to believe this way about myself. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I'm the only one who thinks in my head. I get to decide what's in there. And I think so often we, for, we forget that we, we, if we get taken over by that pain body energy enough, like the first step is, okay, I'm going to keep the focus on myself and only what I can control. I'm not going to be con- codependent with others and be focused on what they're doing. I'm going to keep the focus here where I have the power and the control. And then you start to realize, oh, man, I don't even have control over that. Right. Like, right? Then that's when you want to clear patterns, right? Because not only do we want to clear patterns because we want to have control over our reactions, or at least that's why it was so motivating for me. I, the universe is always listening to everything that we say. And yeah. even, even if you just take it to the point of, if you don't want it to go too woo-woo on it, like the law of attraction and all that, you just want to say, look, the way I behave teaches others how to treat me. And 
that's creating my reality as well. Just the way I handle everything. And I want to make sure that the beliefs I have, the thoughts I, that those beliefs fuel, the behaviors that those thoughts then fuel and the feelings that those thoughts fuel, I want to make sure that they're the purest I can have so that my experiences are flowing. Right. And pure. And pure. Yeah. yeah. That was, I mean, true for me as I got rid of some of my patterns and some of my associated beliefs, I suppose that I all of a sudden could see things. I could listen. You know, you, you commented, I think in one of your emails that I'm a good listener or something, or I don't know. Somebody said Melissa that says it all the time too about you. I think I can listen well because I, I'm pure. Like I, I'm, I don't, <laughs> you know, the old me, I had like 17 conversations going on. So when you were introduced to me, I'm like, what's your name again? You know, now I can remember, I can remember like my Uber driver in Singapore from November. Like what, you know, like what? Cause it's just pure, you know, it's, it's an amazing, it's amazing thing. I'm mindful of the time. I want to conclude with a question. So I've gotten wonderful feedback from insert human, all the different shows. And one of the consistent bits of feedback is when you have people on your show, can you ask them to like, give us one thing we could do, you know, like, a call to action. like So we both know that there are millions and maybe billions of people out there that are somewhere between struggling and scratching their head about how to forge a more pure path in their life. And if there was one thing that you could wave a wand and have them do to, not to solve it, but to start moving towards it, what, what, would, you, what would you encourage for them? I would encourage them to listen to how they talk to themselves. That is wonderful advice. What are you saying to yourself? And and it's really- I just got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful advice. Oh my God. Yeah, and then the next question is, is it true? You know, because we, our thoughts become patterned and- Or they're derivative of patterns. Or, yeah, right, exactly. right, right, right. Exactly, and so, you know, you just listen without judgment. All we're doing is taking inventory. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they're negative or positive. We don't care. I just want to know what they are. What are they? What are you thinking? What are you telling yourself? Because that's determining how you feel. Yeah. You know, the thought comes first, then the feeling. And a lot of people don't know that. They don't know that they're generating their own feelings by the way that they talk to themselves, but they are. They say, oh, no, you made me feel. We don't say that ever say that sentence in our house that you made me feel because it's not true. Right. Because it's, everything's coming in through your filter system, right? And getting, you know, you generate thoughts about it and that creates feelings. So I, I don't think I'm responsible for everything I feel based on how I take in information. Well, that's great, great advice. And for, for those listening who want much more, buy the book. It's available on all the Amazon, yeah, standard places. Is, is there audio version? Do you do an audio version too? Yeah, it's going to be out soon. It's done. I'm waiting for approval from Audible. Okay, great. And I have to have it in other places too besides Audible, but I'm starting with Audible for now. It's on Amazon right now. Congratulations on that and and go back to the beginning. Thank you for helping make the world a a kinder, gentler, clearer, clearer headed and clearer hearted place. And I'd love to have you back. I mean, I feel like I could keep talking for the rest of the day. So we'll have part two soon, shall we? If you'd be up for that. That, yeah, I would love it. I had a great time. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. And of thanks course, for what you're doing in the world, too. Thanks for listening today. 
If you're in search of more opportunities to realize positive change in your life or work, and you find what I have to say helpful, you can always subscribe to my show, check out one of my new salons, there are weekly virtual gatherings of like-minded folks. You can read some of my writings or just listen to one of the talks that I've given around the world over the last couple of years. And you can do it all at chriscolbert.com. While you're there, make sure to sign up for my ongoing email updates. When you do, you'll receive a free copy of the first chapter of my about-to-be-published book, Technology is Dead. Again, it's all available at chriscolbert.com. Thanks again for listening today, and I look forward to connecting more in the days ahead.